Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast. On today's episode, we're recapping our experience at Fan Expo Canada 2022. All this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hey, it's Nate, and if you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast celebrating the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for this week in Geek, he's the Vecna to my Maxine, and he loves to read Layered Butter magazines. He's Justin the Juice Lawrence. What up? How you doing? Good, man. I've always thought of you as a big lump with knobs, so you got the juice. <laughs> Uh, I, I thought you were talking about yourself, though. Jeez. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I'm, I, lo- I love a good juice. And when I tried it with layered butter, everything changed. Um, mm. But uh, next up, she brings the geekiness a la carte. While she's brewing brews and buying all your art, she's Megan, mother of dragons, Clara. Oh, and I did buy a <laughs> lot of art. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get to that. We'll be chatting about <laughs> artist Ali and uh, all the incredible artwork we saw. But last, uh, last but certainly not least, he'll thrash his hair like Eddie playing D and D with you and me, all while explaining Thor's family tree. He's Uncle Darcy Hudson. I am an uncle now. That yeah. actually is applicable, hey. right? Oh. <laughs> oh, I wanted to kind of like kick it off there. Of course. Uh, we're sad we're not able to be joined by the wonderful Kevin, first of his name, King of the Handles, uh, was not able to join us because he was off supporting his queen. She gave birth to the heir, uh, heir to the throne, of course, Princess Robbie Hudson. Uh, and so before we dive in, I, I just want to say all of us at Geekcentric want to wish him and Sarah a, a huge congratulations and congratulations to you, Darcy, on unclehood. How are you feeling as an uncle today? Uh, well, I've only seen her just the one time because, you know, going to a con, don't really want to go from a bunch of people to a newborn baby. So right. I'm I'm distancing myself for now, but uh, from everything I hear, she's doing well. And uh, we're all super stoked to have a, a new little one to dote on. Oh, and she's so super cute and so excited to get her on the podcast someday. Pretty soon, I'm pretty sure we could probably <laughs> get her on. Her first words. Her yeah. first words will be on the podcast for sure. Yeah, her first words. <laughs> Welcome back to the Geek Centric Podcast. <laughs> I can't wait, dude. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. Um, but listen, uh, let's let's get into Fan Expo uh, Canada uh, 2022. I want to start off actually with Megan. Um, you know, this wasn't just your first Fan Expo. This was your first convention. Am I getting that correct? That is correct. First ever. And how did you find it? Well, I am one <laughs> who likes my space, and I yes. didn't have a lot of that, but um, I think that's sort of what you anticipate when you go to a con, especially pre-pandemic. That's just what they were. It was about everybody being there and getting together and cosplaying and doing all these crazy, cool, nerdy things and, you know, meeting your community that shares the same kind of likes that you have. So um, all of that was really awesome. One of the pluses even though it was so packed 
full of people was that everyone was pretty kind. Like nobody was really pushy or shovey. And if they accidentally did, they would turn around and say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Very Canadian of us. We are so. Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I did How all do you in con all, in Canada? It. You apologize. You apologize <laughs> profusely. Yes. Yeah. 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 Even if you were just standing there. Um, exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all in all, I really had an absolute blast. It was so much fun to be there. Yeah, I, I can attest to the sort of shock and awe with how many people were actually there uh, and your personal space being completely voided, uh, especially Saturday. Uh, I know you joined us Sunday, but Saturday was the busiest day at the con. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a little overwhelming and especially coming off of a two-year pandemic, respecting space, even last year's uh, Fan Expo. It was busy, but it was not this busy. And uh, yeah, you definitely felt it. It was, it was like you're pointing out, it was, it was a, a pro and con. It was so great to see everyone there celebrating. Everyone was kind and friendly. Uh, no one was, as you said, pushy or aggressive. So that's, that's really great given you never know these days with, with, what's, with the way the world is. Um, but everyone was really in their fandom and celebrating together. And you could see people connecting and community breeding. So it was great. It was, it was, it was great for that. But it was a lot of people <laughs> in that convention, which makes me wonder if the Metro Toronto Convention Center is still an adequate facility for Fan Expo and if it needs to relocate because it was busy. It was very busy. Well, you know, I think it's interesting because we, you know, we obviously we did uh, review Fan Expo uh, the last time we went, which I guess was last year. Right. Um, And just how going during sort of the the, uh, pandemic being a lot more active, um, it was absolutely spaced out. You know, as far as roaming the floor was concerned, it was beautiful. We were able to to really, you know, take our time and walk around. It, there just wasn't really anything to do and no one was there uh, both from like as fans but also from you know talent and people to to see so it was yes. one of those things where we we kind of kind of came away with it really feeling like we didn't really attend a fan expo there was no seating at yeah. panels it was standing only that sort of thing so coming coming into this there was you know, a, a much uh, sort of more bombastic, you know, there were, there were uh, like some of the companies actually came out. We got, you know, Ubisoft was there and they had an installation and, and eBay had an installation there. And, and I know that, uh, you know, there were so many voice actors and, and big celebrities and what have you. So it was nice to sort of see uh, kind of the, the fan expo at its, at its fullest, but seeing the convention hall at its literal fullest uh, was not, <laughs> was not that great. Yeah, last year was definitely like Fan Expo light. I think that's what we referred to it as because mm-hmm. it was just a lighter version. There were no large vendors. And this year was the same thing. There were no large vendors. There was no Hasbro. There was no Lego. There was no EB or now GameStop uh, that had a presence there. It was eBay. Um, and, which was weird. You know, Ubis- <laughs> yeah, which was weird. And yeah. Ubisoft had a presence, which I get. But Nintendo's presence was just a table. Like last, yeah. like, like in 2019 when we went, and I believe in 2018, they had a full-on section where you could game and, and enjoy the experience, and it just felt whittled down. So it was packed. There was a lot of things, and I, I think you're absolutely right. The, the drive for this year was celebrities, was this idea of bringing in talent to celebrate, because last year... 
there were so many cancellations, especially last minute, especially with everything that was still going on with the pandemic and people having to quarantine and isolate for X amount of period of time. Like they would be coming into Canada for a weekend, but maybe having to stay for like 14 days or something like that based on 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 the rules and restrictions at the time. I, I'm, I can't recall, but there was a lot of reasons for people to not celebrities to not want to venture to Toronto for this convention. So this year they went buck and they booked so many people, which you know, we'll talk about and it was great, but that, that seemed like it was the focus this, this year was, was definitely having that talent showcased. Yeah. I mean, they had uh, a good group of, of stranger things, uh, folks there as well as, um, you know, all four hobbits, Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, <laughs> Billy Boyd, and Dominic Monaghan. And so, and a reunion were, show. Yeah. Those they were did the, a reunion show? the yeah. big draws, I think, um, for a lot of folks. And, and I, I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's crazy how, much time um, they were able to give to fans, which was really, really fantastic. And again, there are a lot of really great things about the con. Obviously, the focusing on how busy and how, almost feeling oversold at times, um, where it sort of just felt yeah. like you're going against the capacity. I think, I think, you know, honestly, I, I personally wouldn't have a problem with with limiting the ticket sales, and obviously, you know, make as much money that way. But on it, I, I don't. I don't really care. Charge it a little extra if you want. I'll, I'll I'll pay for it if it means I get a better experience. Yeah, I think it, this all kind of comes back to what Justin mentioned earlier about the Metro Convention Center being kind of outdated for this size of event now. Because I mean, the layout is probably one of the worst layouts I've ever seen. Where you have to go four down, four floors down on either side, in either building, with only one connection point between the two at the fourth floor. It's just it's so like you have to go so many escalators and cram into so many small spaces that they really aren't designed for these massive flows of people to go through. So uh, that's where it definitely felt overcrowded and oversold is when you're trying to move between building to building. So again, I'm on uh, Justin's page where I think that there are other locations or venues in Toronto that could probably serve the same purpose and have better traffic flow. And then to me, that'll feel, make it feel a lot less busy as if it's easier to get across or get between the two buildings. I think that was the biggest uh sort of uh, maybe the toughest moment for for myself and as well as I think for you as well Megan like when we w- there was a moment where we split up and and I I made the mistake I'll I'll admit it of saying we're going to travel indoors because I like the AC and I didn't want to walk around the entire convention hall outside um, but Justin and Justin and Darcy uh, went out and they they made it in like 10 minutes if that uh, it took us about what was it about 35 minutes I think for us to literally get to an escalator and then get down to the other building. So from one to the other. So honestly, if, if you know, we're, we're, we can kind of sprinkle advice uh, in and throughout this podcast. But for those listening who are interested in going to Fan Expo, if, they, if, if it's going to be as busy next year as it was this year, um, maybe on this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. On the Thursday, you might be able to get away with going back and forth. But on the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you might have to pick your panels. You might have to sort of say, we're spending all day in this building and then in the other building or end your day at one of the other buildings or something along those lines. Because to move back and forth is seemingly impossible unless you want to spend your entire day waiting to go on an escalator. And that's the other thing too, is how they had things orchestrated across the convention. Like, like you said, we learned pretty quick, I think on Saturday that we were just going to do the first part of the day in the North building because there was panels there that we wanted to see. And then we would migrate to the South building, do what we wanted to there and then call it. Right. And we ended up, it ended up getting super busy as the day went on and South, the South building was, was extremely packed. But I think the way things are laid out, 
uh, could could also benefit from a little, you know, imagination in terms of where things are put. Um, you know, Darcy and I were talking offline on our way back about how Artist Alley should really be in the North Building where, you know, the autographs are happening and photo ops are happening and allow the room for those the, the art to be seen because Artist Alley this year felt overly congested and so narrow that you really couldn't interact with the art like it, it is a it is a gallery space it is a, it is a shop but you should be able to showcase your work and it was just so congested in terms of how you were maneuvering I, I felt like I missed a lot and if I was standing there I, I felt like oh I'm, I'm blocking I can't I, I have to keep moving so it's built in a way where it's just kind of like hoarding traffic in one way one direction or the other but you're not really interacting with the art, so I found it. I found it at times difficult uh, in in the artist alley. So I, I feel like it, giving it more space, giving it more room for, for it to breathe a little bit more. I think that would have been better in, in the north building and keep the south building to just buying stuff, shopping, collect it all together. If that makes sense, I don't know. We've been doing yeah. this enough that we we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. Again, it's my first con, but I've been to art shows and I've been to craft shows where the whole part of it or the whole point of it is to be in this giant room with a bunch of aisles. The aisles are big enough to have like a road and a sidewalk and the road shuffles people in and out of the aisles, but you can step out of those aisles into the sort of like viewing space where you can stand at a booth, look at what they offer, talk to the artist or creator of whatever you're seeing, have a conversation, and then step back into traffic when you're ready to go to the next thing. And I feel like I probably missed like five, six, maybe eight aisles because I looked down them and there was just no space to even mm -hmm. enter and nobody mm -hmm. was moving. So... Mm -hmm. I could have missed an artist that I maybe would have bought a print from or enjoyed their artwork and taken their business card. Um, so I think you're totally right. The North Building, they even have separate floors that are at least a little easier to access, giving artists more space to share their work. And I think like, it does yeah. a disservice to those artists. And, you know, exactly. we've, been, we've been learning through friends of ours who are artists about the the booth spaces costing more and more and more. Uh, and and it's it's one of those things where you, you want to give respect to those people who are, you know, I think Artist Alley is a big draw for the convention itself. Um, and so I think they deserve a good amount of space, right? Obviously, it's not as big of a draw as the celebrity talent and the photo ops and the signatures, but still, um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's only fair if you're going to charge that much for a booth space to, yes. to, to give exactly. a, a good amount of time. Because I think, you know, even, even near the, we, we only went through about half of Artist Alley before we sort of just said, hey, we gotta, you know, we gotta it's go to the, just go to the end. We, we just skip to the end of the, yeah. the area to find one of our friends who, who had a booth there and um, mm -hmm. you know shout out to Funky Punky Designs Woo Lisa uh, for, for providing us with some dope ass pins um, yeah. but even even talking even talking to her it was like it felt like there were like waves of human beings like behind our back like trying to pull just us crashing into the ocean you. <laughs> crashing <laughs> into <laughs> us um, as we were just trying to have a conversation <laughs> with our friend and, and, and support her so so yeah, I, I definitely think you know that's that's a, a negative to it. But I I will say it it's always a, a fantastic time to be able to uh, go and to 
connect with like-minded people who love the things you do. I managed to run into a bunch of friends who, um, you know, I know from from working uh, in Ontario and and got to see them just randomly at different times, and it was really fun to just see them and and, and their families and what have you. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's it's at its core, Fan Expo is such a wonderful, brilliant thing. But there is definitely a lot that needs to maybe be, f- I'd say, focused in uh, a little bit more. To, there's opportunities. To make it an even better experience. Yeah. 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 There's more There's more opportunities to better the experience, 100%, which is why we would, we're talking about it in, in a very passionate way. And, and like you said, Artist Alley was a huge draw for us. We actually spent most of our time there um, and really connecting with people there rather than actually anywhere else. Uh, in in a lot of grounds, we we spent a lot of time in panels, but Artist Alley was 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 tons of fun. It was great to see uh, what art we could uh, in that space, and and I w- that's why I would I would love it to be expanded and to be treated with the respect that you're 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 speaking of, Nate. You know where it's you know allowing these artists if they are spending that money to have a space that allows them to showcase that work and sell that work because it's it's a win win for everyone that's involved on on Fan Expo. So I think the experience itself has a lot of opportunities to to better itself it's 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 almost there i think 2019 was probably one of the best experiences um just because it had a good balance of large vendors with small vendors and and they were all pocketed in an area so everyone was getting the exposure and the balance of of where things were and the artist alley didn't feel as tightly packed it was a little bit more spread out because even this year i was just like this feels tighter than usual right so yeah yeah man i Again, I think it's it's just a matter of I wish I could have been there for the the Thursday uh, that you guys were there for just to even hit the floor and and see what it was like. Um, just you know, in this I guess uh, post not really post pandemic, but we'll call it uh, further along <laughs> pandemic version of the uh, of the Fan Expo experience. But um, you know, beyond roaming the floor, buying stuff, which we're going to talk about some stuff we bought maybe later on, but. Um, and, and of course, checking out Artist Alley. We also had, a, had the chance to interview a bunch of local artists, uh, which we're going to be posting that on our YouTube channel. Uh, and I wanted to take a moment just first of all to to thank everyone, uh, if you're listening to this, who let us you know, stop them on the super busy days of, of Saturday mm-hmm. or Sunday uh, to let us chat with them, have an interview, uh, ask them, you know, questions about because these are these are Canadian uh, companies and, and, you know, startups and, and groups that are um, making some really incredible geeky stuff uh, that we all love. And uh, and, you know, that's kind of a little tease. Obviously, we're going to have a YouTube video out that or a bunch of YouTube videos out that are going to show off. Uh, those interviews and uh, and those different companies, but we we sort of shifted because our, our original yes. plan was to was you know this is our first year as press uh, going uh, if that wasn't already clear enough and we kind of had all these grandeur thoughts of who we'll be interviewing and and we we tried to write up as many questions as we could and I wrote like hundreds of questions for a bunch of people that we didn't get to really interact with, unfortunately. Um, so hopefully we'll get to, I, I'm putting it out into the universe that we are going to get to interact. To, yeah, we're going to interact with them in uh, in the future in maybe a, even a different way that's not at a super busy convention. Because at the end of the day, the convention is a fan first experience. And that's where that talent who we didn't get a chance to interview had to put their focus and that's completely understandable. Um, but they're there, you know, it was just a little tricky for us going into it. We, you know, we're getting our feet wet. So getting to shift gears 
and focus in on this, you know, local talent and these these incredible creators, I think was uh, was the right call. And I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, kind of their reaction to to our interviews that we managed to get with them. Yeah, it, it's it's a collection of Canadian artists and, and groups that are working together in the geeky world, the stuff that we love. And I, I'm glad that we shifted gears, like you said, to, to focus on that because, yeah, we were, as we were saying, yeah, we've, we, this is our first year as press and, and we didn't know what we were, what to anticipate. So we, we, we aimed for the stars and got nothing um, and decided to still make the best of it because we had press passes. And I think that in itself allowed people to feel a little bit more like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I will definitely give my time to, to work with Geek Centric and, and do an interview. So I think that that in itself helped and it did help for, for other situations about panels and, and getting access and stuff like that. And Touchwood was actually really great with, with trying to communicate with us what what was possible, what wasn't possible. It was a little unclear. There, there's no perfect manual. There's no perfect setup for it. But I think, again, year one of doing this, and, and hopefully next year we'll, we'll, we'll cover it again, um, you know, it, it was a learning experience. So, and it was a great learning experience. And I think, you know, we'll only get better with how this process works because we are geek-centric and we should be covering Fan Expo every year. So Yeah, I mean, listen, Fan Expo, it's in our if, hometown, you wanna, bro. if you want us to be the official... Uh, podcast of Fan Expo. <laughs> Just let us know. It's <laughs> something we could do pretty easily, I think. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, it, it's it, it was. Uh, I I I got a lot of. We we talk a lot about you know this podcast and uh, how we see it sort of uh, transitioning moment to moment and step by step, and you know getting the ability for us in the last few years to get to do the things we get to do and speak to the people who make the things we love um, has been incredible. And I don't know, it makes me really, really happy and really, really stoked for what we do and what we're trying to do. Um, And even this weekend, even though we didn't necessarily get to speak to some of the people we wanted to, the people that we did get to talk to, um, people like Steve from Retro Kid, um, or, Mm -hmm. you know, even getting to stop by and and speak with Modulicious Paul McHugh, or Andrew at Layered Butter, you know, I think it was just a lot of fun to be able to get in touch with those folks who now... I hope see us on a certain level where they do want to continue uh, having conversations with us and do want to continue collaborating. Um, I'm really stoked for all of that. Uh, but I wanted to kind of move a lot right along here um, and get into talking a little bit about the panel experience. Uh, now, as I said, I, I wasn't there for all four days. I, I joined on the Saturday and then Megan, uh, you joined us on the Sunday. So I wanted to kick it off to Darcy and Justin. Um, what were mm-hmm. the, what were the first few panels, uh, that you attended and could you tell us about them? Well, we only saw two panels on, on Friday. Um, and the first panel we saw was with Troy Baker, mm-hmm. uh, with no, uh, I guess panel host. It was just him. The dude's super charismatic, man. Like he, yeah. he, he had, he had the room eating out of his hand. He was so he was interacting with everyone. He was moving around the stage. Um, very Giancarlo Esposito, but we'll get to that <laughs> later. Um, but I, he, he, he shared some really great insights about uh, building his characters that the that he voices that he's he's so well known for voicing in video games, such as Joel in The Last of Us. He spoke very obviously. A lot of people had questions in and around that game is, uh, is with its re-release coming later this week um and you know even someone asked him to do to do an impersonation which was funny right darcy because i think mm-hmm. it was in i was think it was in in the panel itself he just he he 
when people ask him to do that, they don't understand the levels that he needs to go to get to that character. And when someone asked him to do Joel, he actually walked us through that process. So I thought it was actually kind of interesting. He, he was talking about what it was like working on the game and working with Neil Druckmann on the game and working on this specific moment that, by all standards, I think he said never actually made the final game. Um, and it's it's just Joel telling a story. And the way he works his way to the character and then he just delivers this this like mo- uh, monologue, if you will, it was it was incredible. I I just stopped recording and I was just mesmerized at at his performance. It was it was a one man show, and he did he did a really great job uh, uh, in that time, kind of having everyone very captivated. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool too because you also went into what it was like, uh, you know, voicing a character that already has such a distinct voice, such as the Joker. Like everyone was going to compare him to Mark Hamill because for so many people, Mark Hamill is the Joker to them. So he said. When he was approached with that role, he he kind of didn't believe that it was happening and was just like, oh, they, they hated that. I'm going to get in so much trouble for doing this voice because it's not exactly like Mark Hamill. And then when eventually people come back to him saying like, look, we loved it. You just got to come in and, and do it. We want you to be our Joker. And how much how much that meant to him as someone who loves the original voice and was able to take it to another level or to a new place with his iteration of the character. So it was, again, really cool to see the insight behind his characters and, and how he gets to those those places, like Justin was saying, to to embody these characters and to, to grow with them uh, as we play the games that we love. Yeah, any, anytime I've seen Troy Baker speak he's like a he's just a storyteller he's incredible mm-hmm. at just weaving a narrative and providing so much um description for things and I, I did get a chance to see a video from the panel that you guys attended online uh thanks to all our wonderful friends in the industry alongside us also attending his press posting stuff and i i got a chance to see him talking about his experience on the set for the hbo show the last of us talking about the first mm-hmm. time he ever saw bella ramsey as ellie and he he the just sort of response. yeah he he said it just hit him like like how you know he's like obviously he's seen some incredible cosplayers he like literally called it out he's like who here's cosplaying as Ellie and he's like counted like five different uh, people cosplaying as Ellie but he 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 said you know what that it's it's phenomenal what you can do with with cosplay but seeing her and how he she just turns to him and goes hey and then how it just hit him and he just had to take a beat and sit back and just take it in that he's like this is ellie i'm seeing ellie in real life um had to be phenomenal it, it has me very excited to to see who he is going to be playing in in this series it's it's great because I, I i honestly I, I agree with you he he's a storyteller and he talked about his love for storytelling and how he would like to direct and that's kind of the next thing he really wants to get into and based on how how he presented himself how he how he conversed with everyone in that room you can tell he he has he has the capability of of leading and he even spoke about the idea that it's not about assuming control it's about releasing and letting letting go so that others can can take control and and uh, you know that is the key and that is very much that's a very true statement because you're never going to control all parts of of a production you have to work with other people and collaborate and be open and see what they can do. Right. So I think, I think that's, I'm look forward to when Troy, we see something, whether it be a video game, a movie, maybe an episode of a TV series that's, that's directed by Troy Breaker. I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what that's all about. And I can't wait to have him on the podcast. Um, Justin, who else did you guys get a chance to see on, uh, on that first day? I think we ended our, our panel day with uh, Sean Astin. 
Um, that was uh, that was a that was a great one. He, a, a bit different, uh, obviously, from from uh, from Troy Baker in that Sean Astin very much talked about his uh, his experience, but also his his the life that he's come to love uh, with his family and his, his his wife and how important they play a part into the sort of generational work that he's done. And how he's kind of, you know, he's touched different generations through the the numerous projects that he's worked on and his kids' relationship with that. And it was touching. It was, he, he talked a lot. He, he definitely just like, they gave him a mic and he just went. Uh, so it, it, it was, it, it, and it was very humbling, right? It came off very sincere and I don't know. He feels like a Canadian in all honesty. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like he just, just the way he likes to share stories and talk about things. It's, it's very Samwise too. Yeah. If, if anything. He also talked about, like, I mean, a lot of that personality, I think, comes from his upbringing, which he also spoke about how, despite yes. being the, the son of two, you know, already established people in the industry, he still grew up and they wanted to grow up, him to grow up as a normal kid. So he still went to school, even though he was just in the Goonies. And, and like just later on, he was always very grounded and down to earth about, and family came first. So it's really cool to see how he brings that to, I mean, a lot of his characters seem to have that that at the core is that they have a heart yeah. and that family comes first to them. So it's, it clearly connects with the, the, the actor because he is family first and everything like that. You just want to, you just want to give him a hug. He's just Aww. seems like a hug yeah. guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you both for uh, sharing the load. Uh, that was my <laughs> that's my Sam impression uh, for for the, the first few panels. Did you guys check any other panels out before, before I joined you guys? Uh, no, we did not. Uh, that's because being our first time at press, we kind of weren't sure what that entitled us to. So for the first few days, me and Justin were kind of waiting in lines like everybody else. We, <laughs> oh, we realized that gross. press kind of had that a bit of a an advantage in that they could just kind of slip in. But at the same time, that gave us a lot of time to explore Artist's Alley and the floor on the Thursday when it was a lot quieter. So we got to see a lot of the, the floor, which was really cool. But looking back, I mean, we now know what uh, what comes with the press pass. So maybe we can get a bit more panels next year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 to your point, I don't know if it was allowed or if it was just the fact that they saw press and they were like, yeah, okay, it's okay. Right. So it's like, okay, I, I, I was unclear about that, but there, there was something on our badge that does specify certain access in different places. But you're right. The first two days, Thursday and Friday, we're very much getting the lay of the land and connecting with a lot of those people in Artist Alley and, and kind of showing our face and, you know, connecting with Laird Butter and, and getting to know them a little bit more leading up to inevitably the interview that we'll be posting later. But um, yeah, it was it was great to just connect and, and kind of peruse the show. I wish I didn't have a giant camera bag on my back the entire time, but at the same time, it's it worked out. We got so. some great stuff out of it. And I think, you know, even getting a chance to to sit down and talk with Ken Lashley as well, comic book artist, Canadian comic book artist and legend, even though he kept denying that I called him a legend, um, <laughs> was was cool. But, you know, it was it was fun because we got to talk to him and it felt because I, it sounds cheesy and corny, um, but it felt we're official. We are officially talking to Ken Lashley where we've talked to him Full in the circle. past. Yeah, we've talked to him in the past as as friends and, and just someone that we yeah. met on a plane one time coming back from San Diego Comic-Con to to Comic-Con. right 
right to talking <laughs> to him on a more official capacity. And I know, again, yeah. as unprofessional as it sounds, I was flashing that badge all over the place. Every every security guard would walk by. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, I got the badge. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, just security. he just held it up yeah, press, as he walked press. by people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just random people. I just said, yeah, press, yeah, press. He's going to the bathroom. Press. Yeah. I, <laughs> I did get in <laughs> early. I said, I've got an interview in there with a toilet. Um, but no, I. <laughs> Uh, we, we had the opportunity to then, or I had the opportunity to then join you guys uh, on the Saturday. And I think the first panel we hit up was Katie Sackoff. Uh, and let's oh, talk about so Katie cool. Sackoff, of course, uh, who, of course, everyone knows is Bo-Katan uh, from <laughs> both the animated series yes. and the and Star Wars live action, The Mandalorian. Um, I want to just kind of shout out, though, like, she is so honest. She doesn't filter her responses. She's super down to earth. Uh, she kept swearing and then like nice. right at like and then as soon as she noticed there were kids in the in the audience, she's like, <laughs> Oh she's like, Oh shit. Uh, sorry, there's kids in the audience. <laughs> and like the the I think the uh, the guy who was uh, doing the moderation for the panel was like, yeah, that's my daughter. <laughs> just like absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. She discussed uh, herself being a mother and um, mm-hmm. how she she never understood the amount of of love one can have of their mother until she played in the in the role. I believe she was talking about Starbuck uh, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, who was she? She was talking about her character in Revolutions. I oh, believe. in Revolutions. The, okay. the actress, the, the mother who leaves her child behind to save the world. Yeah. Thing. I might be a bit distracted yeah. just because I've got a note here that she also talked about how uh, the YouTube algorithm can be tricked as long as you post something regarding tits and ass, um, which... <laughs> She she uh, she she talked about uh, after someone brought up a YouTube video of her going into uh, cryo what was it cryo freeze chamber or something mm-hmm. like that with her friend mm. uh, and so she talked about like yeah she just wanted to see what would happen if she posted a YouTube video of them in in you know bikinis and what have you so um, again didn't never held back never you know uh, but she also I think she also got to really lovely moments as well where again she brought up the idea of motherhood and she started tearing up about her own child and and different things like Mm -hmm. that and um yeah what did you guys take away from the 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 panel with katie sackoff i think one of the the coolest parts for me was when she was talking about you know why she's uh, always kind of uh, gravitated towards these sci-fi roles and it's because she grew up on it and i feel like that applies to a lot of us uh in that like maybe not my dad but my brother showed me sci-fi when i was little and i've loved it ever since and i, I think it's really cool that her dad was that influence on her and and drove her to take these roles being like i want to be a, a cool badass lady in space so that's why she's looking for these these interesting roles and i think it's really cool to see how that has driven her career and again it's Family is everything, and it's really neat to see actors and actresses talk about how that, you know, just leads them to to take the roles that they t- do take. So it was cool. Yeah, I I secretly hope that the daughter that I will have in the fall will grow up to be someone like a Katie Sackhoff who is obsessed with sci-fi and feels like she wants to very much live in that world. That's a hope. Obviously, she's going to be her own person, but <laughs> I will. I will be that 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 person that will introduce Slightly her to those nudge things. Her. Yeah, <laughs> even fantasy and stuff like that. So I love the idea that like that impression is left on her, as as you're calling out, Darcy, and and it being rooted to family. Like I think the one thing that all these panels have in common is a real human core to each of these people because you know we see them on that pedestal and we understand that they're they're up there and we sometimes forget that they are still us they are still human you know their their life is just looks a little different they do different things and again to hear Kitty Sackhoff just talk about you know 
the value and appreciation she has for her family and how that connects back to her characters. It's again, another thing that connects back to Sean Astin and what he talks about and, and what we take away. And, and the idea that it, it just in a, in a way is a driving force for them to do the best work that they can. I think that's, that's great. Whenever we can learn those things, it, it, it helps to humanize and, and just, you know, ground these, these actors that we sometimes, you know, see as higher up. If you will. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, she even I think the part that really stuck out to me regarding that was when she was asked about Grogu and she's like, you guys, mm-hmm. I have as much baby Grogu stuff as all of you do. Don't think for one second <laughs> that just because I work with Grogu that I don't have all that Grogu stuff. And she brought up uh, a day where she was <laughs> she was working with Grogu, apparently takes five or six puppeteers to control Grogu. Uh, and apparently she says it, it. she has a similar reaction to Grogu as she does with her dogs um, and that he's very real to her and that she actually found him uh, sorry found herself talking to him one day where she was like it's like are you bored do you get bored and and he was kind of like emoting and then she's like <laughs> sometimes I just get I, I don't know it gets it gets me really pissed off I get really mad do you ever get really mad and he makes like a little like ah, like angry face and she's like in that moment she like got really freaked out and she didn't realize that those puppeteers were listening to her talking <laughs> Without and you know, just to this random yeah. puppet uh, yeah. or to this to, to Grogu just sitting in the in the corner. So I I don't know. They were I, doing their job. They were doing their job, <laughs> but it was just it was just yeah. funny because again, it just speaks to how realistic uh, that animatronic is. That Grogu is a real thing to her. Um, mm-hmm. And the only other thing I wanted to shout out just on her time in the Mandalorian, she said this year uh, on the Mandalorian, she kept dropping a lot of like. Just teases about like that she's obviously talking about season three, but there were also a ton of times where she just kind of was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. People would ask her if she'd go, mm-hmm, and just not say anything. But she did say <laughs> one thing about her suit, which she got two suits this year uh, because one of them, they <laughs> they created a pee hole uh, for her suit and that she was able to actually, because you have to imagine being in those suits on set all day, sure. you're going to want to have to use the facilities. And so to have a, a hole that would, would do that, um, but apparently it didn't work. It, it doesn't sound like it would work. So no. No, no. No. Yeah. Yeah. So again, good on them. Again, Katie Sackhoff, an absolute. <laughs> she's gem. so real. She's so, so yeah. So she's down so to real. earth and just That's she's willing awesome. to talk yeah. about anything. So uh, except for yeah. Star Wars spoilers, you won't get that out of her. Now <laughs> we we had the opportunity to go on an unexpected journey uh, with Dominic Monaghan. Uh, who started off the panel, by the way, I believe this was the first panel that I attended that Sam Meggs, uh, author, mm-hmm. Canadian author Sam Meggs, uh, managed to, uh, she was she was facilitating the panel, she was moderating the panel. Shout out to yes. her, she did such a phenomenal job with all the panels that we saw, just leading the conversation, and, and literally the first thing she starts talking to Dominic Monaghan about is like Magic the Gathering cards. And just like they just start off with like a super geeky conversation and how he's a huge gamer and, and he always plays, uh, you know, with, with him and Billy Boyd are always playing video games together. It was just, I don't know, it was great. Yeah. To, Sam Eggs, I think, brought her own geeky connection to each of the panels uh, that we saw her. She brought what, what she's passionately geeky about and she, she connected it with the people that she was talking to, which I thought was great because we learned new things about you know, Dominic Monaghan through this, this panel, just from that conversation, some stuff, obviously, if you're a hardcore fan, you would know he has an appreciation for all of these things. But for myself, I was pleasantly surprised uh, to, to learn more about, uh, about what his interests, obviously, outside of starring in movies and playing these, the characters and whatnot, what he does and what he likes to do. Um, so yeah, I think she, she, she did a great job and yeah, he's another person that was completely 
down to earth and incredibly humble to be there to to kind of be able to share uh, his time with fans. It's all about the fans, as he said. I, I believe in his panel, like it's it's about connecting with them. So I, I think it was it was it was so good to to see him have that moment to at least you know sit and talk about his work and what he's done. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool too because. I mean, we all know him from Lord of the Rings fame and even Lost and stuff like that. But he even went on and talked about his his uh, role in some of the, the docu-series that he's doing with nature and stuff like that, with wild things. And about how coming up, he's going to be focusing on like an ocean wild things almost, like a, another documentary series where he's getting involved with the wildlife and all that stuff, which he seems very passionate about. And it was really cool just seeing him talk about what he's passionate about and what it is that makes him do these things and share them with the world. And again, very down to earth and very chill guy. It was a a wicked panel. Yeah. I thought it was really cool when he compared uh, his time on call of duty to when they, Mm -hmm. when they would film scenes, how apparently it's, it's more, it's closer to, um, you know, doing a play where they only have to do it once where, you know, if, if they, he's like, he apparently asked like the game director of like he's like so if if we if we get this if we nail it the first time that's it we can go home by one and apparently he's like yeah he's like great so most of the time he said they did nail a lot of the scenes that they shot um, with the blue dots on their face and the the skin tight suits and what have yeah. you so um, really really cool stuff uh, from that panel and I I you know I'm a huge Lost fan so the moment he brought up Charlie and he brought up the story mm-hmm. about him going to the Oscars uh, for Return of the King and how he just put some some black sharpie marker into the nail beds of his nails and uh and apparently you know jj abrams had seen saw him uh saw his fingers uh on the telecast for the oscars and then called him up talking to his character of charlie on Lost and be like hey you know what you did with your nails there yeah keep that we want that for charlie and it's just so cool to like to you know because that was such a defining little characteristic of charlie well, you see him um, do it yeah you see him do you literally it. see him do it on, 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 in, yeah. in, in one of the first yeah. episodes so to to kind yeah. of uh hear the origin of where that came from mm-hmm. and then it was just him um is was really really cool i love that his death is charlie spoiler for lost if you have oh my god spoilers yeah how old his inevitable his inevitable uh death in season three how it's still top three deaths on tv like, i think so. that just really hit wow. people so like yeah i think that's that's cool that's a that's a cool cool thing to have because it, it did it did emotionally resonate with with everyone who loved that show because charlie was a little bit of everyone yeah yeah you all everybody um and then <laughs> you all everybody, you all, everybody. Oh that, my now God. we know now we know the meaning of that's the song. Why... that's it um <laughs> last thing i will quickly say with the with the um <laughs> with the panel with dom monaghan was um and it, it was it kind of a through point for a lot of these panels you can't as much as there's a moderator you can't really they don't really moderate the questions coming through uh during the q a portions of these panels and let me oh, let yeah. me tell you if you've not experienced live cringe with some of the favorite people that are behind the your favorite characters go to go to a convention and go to some of these q a panels because you'll experience it there was one guy who just straight up was like Yo, so it's been how long? Do you say? It's been tw- uh, two decades. It's been twenty years. It's been twenty yeah, years since twenty years since the the since you lap, rap Lord of the end Rings. Of ret- since the end of Return of the King. Yeah, uh, how you know? How are you coping with that? Was his question? Like, what? I have I have on video his reaction to that. Oh my it god, is not pleasant. <gasps> no, he is very unimpressed with that, and rightfully so. But that guy again. We're, we're gonna assume he played it for laughs. Here. He played it for laughs. He he was very cordial about it. He didn't, you know, he wasn't upset. Yeah, but he was. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. great. 
I mean, yeah. him aside, some of the other cringy moments from the questions just come from the fact that these people going up there are talking to their idols. So I can kind of understand they why nervous. they mm-hmm. stumble and yeah. fumble and, and get nervous and kind of ask some, some exactly. pointless questions. But I, I mean, that's why I don't do it because I know I'd be doing the same thing. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you just want to talk like, to them. You just want to yeah, talk to yeah. them, right? Yeah, They're yeah, so yeah. cool and they seem so down to earth that, of course, you're yeah. kind of like, oh God, what do I, how do I react to these people? So, I mean, I feel for those people who, who have a hard time getting those questions out and all the power to them for for. Taking, for at least getting up stand there up and, absolutely and, and yeah. to ask that question yeah. it's really yeah. neat yeah i mean again i i understand being nervous but i think meg like that we we won't say which panel but there was a panel where somebody literally stood up and was reading from their phone their question and then the the person who they were asking the question to sort of like oh yeah i, I remember that and then they would like not say anything and then just go back to like so uh, reading so, from yeah, the exact reading, moment <laughs> from they the moment they left reading. off. It was yeah. I, again, it's it's one of those things where with these with these Q and As, hopefully they'll they'll find a way to moderate them. Because I mean, even at Star Wars Celebration, I was always asked whenever I would go up for a Q and A Q&A question, like, okay, what's your question? What are you going to ask? Because they want to make sure you're not going to say something stupid, like, how are you coping with? <laughs> Not being in order. <laughs> um, and then we we ended that day with panels with I think honestly my favorite panel of the day. It was so incredibly delightful. Uh, we ended the day by going to a voice acting panel led by Eric Bauza, uh, who if you don't know is pretty much all of the Looney Tunes right now, or most of the Looney Tunes right now, uh, along with uh, Rob Paulson, the voice of. I mean, he's the voice of, of I guess, is he both Pinky Yakko, in the brain? Pinky. He's, yeah, he's Pinky. No, no Pinky. He's Pinky. Yakko. Yeah, he's Yakko. What? Um, yeah. Absolutely incredible. And you hear it in his voice. Of course, Billy West, yeah. uh, who is most commonly known as Fry on Futurama, but he's also played... Stimpy. Uh, yeah, he played Stimpy. He was the original Stimpy. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, we also got a chance to hear from uh, Carolina Ravasa, uh, who is, I believe she's a character, she plays Sombra in Overwatch. Uh, and so oh, cool. they did a, an incredible panel where, honestly, it was kind of a no-holds-barred panel uh, where they just all went off. And, like, it was chaos the moment it started. They're just all talking over each other, but in, like, the best way possible because they're all doing their different character voices. And the way that they flowed through their conversation, there wasn't, <laughs> like, a second of dropped audio. Like, there was no moment where, where like, they just went from one thing to the other to the oh. other to the other, playing off each other so masterfully. You can tell that they're wow. used to being in a booth and and playing off of these these characters where there can't really be any dead air. Yeah, I think what was really cool is the fact that, you know, you said Eric Bazo is leading leading this panel and I think you could really tell he was a big fan and like mm-hmm. idolizes the two guys sitting next to him because the questions he's asking them are just like he is so excited to get a chance to sit down and talk to these people and, and share what they know and how much he respects them. And then at the really cool flip side of that was immediately Rob Paulson was like, I, you guys just got to know how talented this kid is. He came onto the scene and immediately was successful and just it was a... The, the respect went both ways on that stage and everyone loved everyone up there and no one had a bad thing to say about anyone up there. It was really cool uh, seeing that sense of camaraderie that they they brought to the stage. It was cool. Yeah, it was awesome to see that he was such a, a huge fan of, of I think, all three of them. And I mean, even at the end of it, he, he took a picture uh, with them like any of us would want to do in that moment. Um, and so, yeah, man, just again, we talk about the aspects of of seeing these incredible talents on another level. But at the end of the day, they're also just big fans. Uh, and to see them also being fans of each other was really, really fun. Yeah. And also just, just to have Carolina 
on this panel. I think she she was a great addition to kind of show the future as well uh, of of where voice acting is going because you do have two veterans um, like Rob Paulson and, and Billy West there, and to have Eric and Carolina, you know these these two are building the next generation of voice acting careers, and it's great to have them, uh, you know, be able to converse with these veterans that have been doing it for so long and have have built quite the career of you know again being some of the most influential uh, characters in our, in our in our adolescent and adult lives uh, let's <laughs> let's be real <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so it's 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 really cool to see uh, that sense of community uh, amongst amongst them and and this idea of of sharing you know talking talking shop and sharing work stories and and experiences and talking about what it was like then versus what is it, what is it like now and what what it really does look like to be a voice actor uh, in this 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 generation especially even as they talked about animation and the situations that seem to be. Uh, going on with with a lot of studios cutting animation, whereas I mean they straight up brought up HBO you know, dropping thirty plus animated series and 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 how that can be pretty scary and 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 really freaky. But they also talked about the the evolution of voice acting and how it's really evolved into something that is a lot more accessible in the sense of if you want to get started in it and you don't you know it used to be I think Caroline was talking like she had to move to LA in order to actually yeah. do what she's doing whereas now that's not necessarily the case if you've got a good mic you know Rob was saying if you got a good mic you've got a good computer and you've got a good setup you can record a, a you know some self takes and 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 you know put them out online and create a portfolio and um, I just think that's that's fantastic. And he, he also did sort of they, they kept, kept giving a lot of advice for how to start as a voice actor. Um, and it's just it's awesome because, you know, none of them are like, oh, no, we got to keep all these secrets in because we don't want to replace ourselves. They're all just there to say, no, 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 this is a such a tight knit community. And if you're good enough, you can be a part of it. Mm hmm. Yeah, it was really neat because you mentioned that they were saying that, that, like trying to say that they're not teachers, but there are courses out there. And they, they all of them talked up again, another voice acting great, Steve Bloom and his mm -hmm. course. So I thought it was really neat that even amongst all the voice actors, there's such respect that they're not afraid to be like, I don't know what I'm talking about in terms of you know how I do what I do, but this guy does. So it was really cool to see that for sure. And they, yeah. they shouted out the homie James Arnold Taylor as well. Um, and his his whole voice acting uh, studio and what have you. So yeah, I, again, I, I think it was just such a, a really lovely uh, conversation to overhear. And the way they ended it, you have to check out our Twitter to 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 check it out. They they or Instagram or Instagram. <laughs> they did a incredible cover of uh, Hotline Bling by Drake and all of their characters, and it was. It, it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, so definitely go check that out on our socials because it's just, it'll brighten your day. It'll brighten your day. Um, but speaking of brightening our day on a Sunday, uh, the final day of the convention. The Lord's uh, Day. The Lord's Day, some might say. And it was. Uh, and it was. Megan was able to to join us and we uh, attended the Reverend, the great Reverend Giancarlo <laughs> Esposito. Uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, holy, holy crap, dude, like this guy gets up on stage and you think, okay, we're going to see him talk about Gus Fring. We're going to see him talk about, you know, Moff Gideon or whatever, or we're going to, we're going to hear him chat oh, a little whatever. bit about, you know, what it's like to be on the Mandalorian, hold the dark saber and all this stuff. And he does do that. 
for the first maybe five seconds of each question asked for him. And then he gets up and just like gives the most inspirational speech like over and over and over again to the point where like the audience was like, like left and then like uh, like half a minute would go by and then everyone starts like clapping like huge and we were all so taken aback he is such an incredible way of talking uh that's just yeah. so engrossing you can see how it comes into his characters um you know some of the things that he said the villain isn't the villain in their mind they are the fallen hero they just missed the mark or things like respect yourself and just demand that respect from others collaborate and he went off on like a tangent on that and then my favorite quote has to be he literally like gets the room gets so quiet he goes the way you do anything is the way you do everything and i was like oh i was like what (laughs) how how is this man a real thing like how has he never has he ever done motivational speaking before because he was incredible i I think again what the way he talked and the characters he plays it shows he is Mm -hmm. he is a powerful person and has a presence, and all the characters that he's played have a presence. Uh, I think it's it it, it is it is a uh, a symbol of his character, uh, of who he is as as a person. And I think what was great is that he he answered the fandom questions, as you said, but then he got into like taking that time to instill some advice. And he was someone that I I think really tried to remind people that he is a person too. Um, that you know again that to acknowledge the fact that. You know, there is you look at me and you see me on a pedestal, but I have the same life as you. I have the same quirks as you. I I am the same person as you. Um, it's just my life looks different in comparison. So I, I thought that was really great. And I think that what he was trying to do, obviously, and it, it came off a bit intense, but intense was to take that time and really instill some value in something, because I think he's also someone who is very uh, activist driven and he sees that there's there's things going on in the world that we ourselves can probably do better uh, and 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 fix, if you will, uh, by mm-hmm. collaboration, community, and and the idea that he's there in at Fan Expo talking about these things with community. It is a moment to just kind of connect and 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 tap into into that. Whether people are just going to be like, okay, here he goes, <laughs> ranting on, or if you're actually going to listen to it and say, you know, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah, I think one of the cool things you mentioned about how he talked about his characters and like why he's drawn to the 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 baddies, or at least that's what we know him as. And he says a lot of that comes from it's not whether they're bad or good or anything like that. It's what's behind their character. And a lot of these characters he's played are self-made men. They work hard, yes. and he believes in hard work and the power of of getting yourself to where you want to be. He said that for the longest time he didn't. He felt like he didn't deserve to be on the the stage with some of these other greats that that are you know on screen and uh, in video games and stuff like that. But it, he got to the point where he's like, no, I, I do deserve to be there. I will be there and work with them. I can contribute to this 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 thing that we're creating. And he's all about equal contri- contribution and stuff like that. And he even went into how his next role that he's uh, excited for is that he's he's playing an everyman. He's like, that's something that everyone can relate to. They're all just working to you know to live and, and to get to the next day. So I think it's it's really cool to see how much he he honors hard work and how much he believes that anyone can do something that they want to as long as they put that work and time in so it was really cool yeah and i found um i think we actually talked about this um that he has 50 plus years of experience but only Mm -hmm. just recently he's gotten the 
clout, I guess, or the platform to speak and has a bigger fandom and more people following his work. So he is given a stage now that mm-hmm. he can say these things that he's Literally. learned over this like mass. Yeah, he's been given this stage <laughs> to walk back and forth across, stamp his foot and say his things because oh, yeah. he's he's built up all of this knowledge over the years and all he wants to do is share it. And we're talking about all these hilarious but incredible quotes that he has said. One of the ones that stuck with me and I have already been reminding myself every day since seeing him speak was what we resist persists. Mm. And wow. I like that. I just got chills. Yeah, I got chills. I got chills too. So like it's this idea of, you know, these things that happen to us that maybe we don't want to have happen or things that make us feel uncomfortable. If we keep resisting those things, they will persist and continue to hack at, away at us. But if we accept those things, go, you know what, this makes me uncomfortable, but I'm going to take it in and I'm going to deal with it and we'll move on. And those things become a lot less annoying and weigh us down a lot less. Working past it, yeah. Yeah, I found that so relatable and it's so usable in any situation anybody would experience in a day. I'm not sure if he has, mm -hmm. but he should write a book. I think he should write all these things down in Uh, a book. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also want to just shout out the, the sign language interpreters. Just sign language, sign signing with just as much passion as Giancarlo himself, I think, is not an easy task when you when you have him up on the stage walking back and forth. Um, so shout out to 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 both of them uh, who are on the stage with him, um, just you know keeping up and and being able to to sign all those inspiring words. One of the coolest things about Fan Expo uh, that I find is different than some of the other conventions we've been to is that, like the Star Wars Celebration and, and uh, San Diego Comic Con, they're bringing out the casts of these shows and the directors, and like everyone only gets one like one time to speak and and share their thoughts. So what's really cool about this is that a lot of these panels that we're going to were just one on one with the actor or voice actor mm-hmm. and talking about their experiences. So it was really it's really cool to get these deep dives into how this one person thinks as opposed to the other panels where they're kind of drowned out by the rest of the cast so it was Mm -hmm. that is one of my favorite things about fan expo and i kind of hope it doesn't change and that we continue to get these these one-on-one conversations that i think are are much more valuable to these actors because they can share more of their story and what they believe in or give us both like they did for this fan expo they gave us all one-on-one conversations with each of the hobbits plus a a reunion show that was a ticketed event if i'm not mistaken so uh again i think that that a balance of it is great but you know to the point of what you're you're talking about to have these moments to listen to each of these people talk about what went into playing the characters that they played you know i love this little tidbit in, in john carlos of, of how he designs a backstory and keeps it for himself i love that that's like at least a technical note that we can come to understand about how Giancarlo builds his characters and and makes them who they are and how he's able to present himself. He has figured out their story, right? Like he talked about Gus's past. And again, if we didn't have this one-on-one, we wouldn't have learned that sort of thing about his his method of, of how he builds his characters. And even in the biggest of franchises where maybe he's not even allowed to necessarily uh, outright define the background of a character like Moff Gideon, uh, he still finds ways he to... He has enough to go Right, and, he, and they can't explain every part of 
that character's sure. life. So he still finds ways to fill those in for himself to really inform the character. Um, it was, uh, I just, I still get chills thinking about what he was, what he was going off on. Yeah, yeah. And before I move on to talk about our final panel of the weekend, I just want to say, I mean, he he did answer some of those nerdy questions. And, and for one of them, we got a very strong long live the empire. Oh. And then a second one, uh, as he was implying that we got, we haven't seen the last of Moff Gideon for sure. And I, I think that that was a cool enough of a teaser for me to be excited again for his character and for the, the coming oh, yeah. seasons of Mandalorian. Yeah, I, I, I think I think we're going to hear him say that in season three and with passion so i i think that i think very much so that that's either that's the hint or the empire is going to long live but i think we'll hear him we'll hear him say that i think that's the likelier thing so yeah i love that he gave us at least that i was like oh so good so good (laughs) well and again i think it's so exciting to see such an incredible talent in I think one of the biggest franchises in the world, but we also, uh, for our final panel of the day, got to see someone who I think is also in one of the biggest franchises in the world and is such an incredible talent and has since moved on to do just so many interesting roles. And of course, that is Elijah Wood. Uh, We got a chance to see him and he came out and like, I love immediately they, you know, again, Sam Meg, shout out to Sam Meggs for just instantly bringing up gaming and just like, let's just sit here and talk about video games. And they did. And like, you've got all these like elves, all these elves and hobbits and like people in armor, like sitting there, like talk about Lord of the Rings, talk about Lord of the Rings. And he's going off on his love about sim tower and discussing about like how he's he 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 sold turnips to somebody on twitter and animal crossing and his love of uh you know annapurna and the game stray um i honestly i i he he knows his stuff and he's been involved in video game development and working with tim schaefer um so yeah dude i i i was like this brought my level of respect for elijah wood higher than I, I ever thought it could be just based off of how much he knows about the video game industry is fantastic. Well, again, this is exactly what I loved about Sam Egg's approach with these panels is, is that she got to a personal passionate part uh, of a conversation with the other person. And it, it was so evident here with Elijah Wood and the way he just talked about gaming and how much he appreciates it and animation. And it's just like, again, to your point, it, it's very much, People are there to hear him talk about Lord of the Rings, but I found it so much more gratifying to hear him talk about the things that he's doing now and what he loves rather than hearing those stories because we've we've heard all those stories. Mm-hmm. Like it's great that they're celebrating and they can recognize and they didn't deviate from it. They're like, oh yeah, we're not here to talk about Lord of the Rings, but it wasn't it wasn't the center of topic because they were going to have a they had the reunion show and and all this. They they got to just keep it really centered on on what he's doing and what he loves and that that was great it, this was i think one of i think this was my favorite panel of the weekend um just because of how sincere and honest he was and how you can see like the love that he has for all of these things that he he talked about it, it's just it was great i also want to say that i want to be his best friend i kept <laughs> saying it after we saw him yeah. speak i was like i just want to give him a hug i just want to be his friend i want to talk <laughs> about video games every day and where i live it's been raining the last couple days and something he wouldn't stop talking about was how much he can't stand la weather because it's just sunny every day and yeah. one of the things he loves so much is being within nature and seeing nature change because it's bigger than us and it's beautiful and he was like, I just, I miss rain. So the last couple of days I've been like, 
Elijah Wood would love this. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought it was really cool. Uh, he mentioned the fact someone brought up Spyro to him, and he he just dropped the fact that he never realized how far or how much of an impact Spyro games had on on people's lives, and the fact that that character is almost as well recognized as uh, his as Frodo. So it's just it was very funny to see him react like that and talk about how when he's doing some of these roles, he doesn't think about what's to come. It's just, it's a role for him at the time and a job. So it was really neat. Yeah. It was cool as well. Like to hear about roles that I'd never even heard of before for him. Like, I think he talked about his time on over the garden wall. Uh, and Megan was like, you have to watch it. You got to watch it. You guys are telling me. Um, So I can't, I'm excited to, to watch it now. Um, but just how much I think, love that he had for that series um and it's it's just it it's in it's permeates through every word that he says about his time on these different shows uh i'm so stoked for him to be on a second season of yellow jackets um i was a huge fan of yellow jackets season one it's such an incredible show and so he's apparently going to be playing walter who's um a a citizen detective like misty so we know he's going to be kind of in the adult side because that's the whole thing with the show as it goes back and forth but um i don't know man it's just he's he's apparently playing a weird and interesting character and he is uh, very much a weird and interesting weird, character. So interesting it's exciting to see yeah. that that's going to carry through uh, into his time on Yellow Jackets. Oh, totally. And throughout this entire talk, he also kept coming back to the fact that he did all of these projects and he does all of these projects because he loves everything about filmmaking. And no matter how he can be a part of something that he believes in, he'll do it. If it's producing, mm-hmm. if it's acting, if it's voice acting, he he talked about being a director hopefully soon. Yeah. And I would love to see anything he directs because I can't imagine how his brain would work in a great way. Like, um, I just found it really refreshing and amazing to see his love. Even though he's been in this industry for so long, he's still so passionate and excited. And he's very interested in indie things and small companies um and you know giving that platform to creative people who maybe don't have it um so i think that's really awesome he, he's humbled mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's very humbled with the opportunities that he has and he likes working with with the smaller niche weird things that are going on because they are going to generate probably more of a buzz uh f- you know and it, it, he's attracted to that and i totally agree i i think it's it's long overdue for Elijah Wood to to be a director, to step into the director's chair, especially given uh, his passion for the filmmaking process and being involved in in wherever he can and that willingness to to be a part. And again, humbled. He has no ego. It's not like he needs to do everything or he's 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 so uh, refined on his practice. He just he wants to be a part of creating and working and collaborating with others. And I think that's that's where he's like he's an artist more than he is an actor. Do you know what I mean? Like he is obviously an actor and that is part of his art, but he, he that mentality, that process of, of, of thinking about it, it's, it is like very much a, it's like a visual artist. It's mm-hmm. someone that wants to contribute in that vein. So I, I love that. I love that. That's what we're, you know, we're learning about Elijah Wood in this panel rather <laughs> than, you know, what was it like filming Lord of the Rings so many years ago? Yeah. 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 And do you, uh, how are you coping with <laughs> Um, uh, listen uh, we're 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 getting near the end of uh, of this panel discussion um, but I wanted to kind of before we before we get to a little bit of a different type of whatcha 
to end this podcast. I actually want to put you all on the spot and just ask what's one piece of advice. Obviously, go see as many panels as you possibly can, um, I think is a, a great piece of advice. But what's one piece of advice that you would want to give somebody who's listening to the, this part of our, our podcast um, to attend Fan Expo? Uh, and we'll have us go around round table here and just give one piece. I have two. Quick. Oh, extra. Um, number one, eat and hydrate. Yes. <laughs> um, consistently. Because it's a lot of standing, it's a lot of walking, it's a lot of waiting. Just eat and drink a lot of water all weekend. Number two, um, give yourself time to walk through the areas. Like if you are interested in going through Artist Alley or seeing the um, you know figurines and things like that, if if you really want to look at people's work and um, appreciate it properly and talk to the people who've made those things because all of them are willing to talk to you. They want to have conversation. Give yourself time to do that. So if there's a day that's maybe lighter on the panels or there isn't really anybody you want to see except for maybe one panel, take the rest of that day to look at all the stuff. Yeah, I I, I would echo that sentiment. Plan. Uh, yeah. If you're going for a day or if you're going for, for all four days, um, I think, you know, every time we do this, we learn something new. Uh, and, and it's also because the expo is always changing uh, in the sense of, of how things are laid out. Um, and I think, yeah, I think if you can plan your day around what you want to see and what, what other things that you want to do, that is the most effective way to utilize your time on any given day. And absolutely eat and stay hydrated but just stay away from stay away from the burgers and the pizza try to eat clean i say just keep yourself refreshed yes. at all possible times so that you're you're feeling good because yeah it is it is a lot of of walking around and waiting and standing in lines and you know you, you when you can get into sitting down and s sitting at a panel um yeah it's like it's relaxation mm -hmm. Mine's kind of on a bit more on the opposite side of that. I'm not saying don't plan or everything like that. I'm just, my whole advice would be don't let, you know, missing a panel or, or not getting to something uh, bog you down or upset you because yes. there's so much to do and see at these things that even if you miss, you know, seeing one or two panels that you had on your list, because I know we had multiple that we had checked off, but some of that uh, congestion made it hard to get around. And again, yes. there was so much more to do that it's not the end of the world if you miss one thing or if you can't get to the mm -hmm. other end of the artist's alley or something like that. There's always going to be another year. It's a great be thing about flexible. these things is that, yeah, be flexible and be patient because, again, lots of people all wanting to do the same stuff you are, so no need to step on anyone's toes. And I, I think I'll I'll end off with the advice segment of our panel, um, of our podcast. I keep going on panel. Um, of our podcast <laughs> of just like, I, if, this is going to be one part enabler, one part financial advice, uh, which is pace yourself with what you buy. Uh, <laughs> pay attention to stock levels. Uh, if you're going through Artist Alley and it's it's you know these these folks don't have a ton of stock of the very unique things that they've made. They might have made ten of them, and if it's something that you're like, I really need to have that as a memory piece, as something to to hold on to and to cherish from this experience, buy it. To get support that artist and support the artists I think more than you know your general Funko Pops and your your this and that I mean I've seen the same rare super rare Funko Pops like 900 times at these conventions so they'll they'll probably still be there uh of course the other I guess this is more the enabler side of me uh will also say like if there's a grail there uh and it's it's the only one that's there 
um, pick it up. You might not uh, ever see it again. Um, and so if there's a, if there's one there and that's like the thing you came to buy, just do it. Pick it up. Uh, hopefully you're staying at a hotel. You can leave it with the hotel or you have a car that you can you can keep it in. And a lot of these, another kind of- Buy more luggage. Really, buy more luggage. Shut up. Shut well. up. Shut up. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But, but shut up. Uh, but I will say a lot of, pro tip, a lot of these booths would rather make a sale and hold on to the thing you bought. Um, so even just asking them if they have enough room, hey, if I buy this big thing instead of carrying it around, um, can you hold on to it? And they want to make the sale, so they're probably going to do that for you. They'll write your name down. Uh, you come back with some idea or whatever, and then come pick it up. That's that's advice to the big spenders that go to these <laughs> those, those, those big bucks, those those deep deep pockets. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of uh, speaking of big spenders, uh, let's get into our watch segment. You know, normally with watch show we talk about what we what we've been watching, what we've been listening to, or or reading, or pl- gaming, or what have you. In this case, uh, we're gonna go with what you bought. Uh, and Megan, speaking of artist Alley, let's uh, let's talk about your experience. What what you what you buy at Fan Expo. I bought surprisingly little, and I think that has to do with the amount of congestion that was in Artist Alley, so there was a lot of space I didn't get to go down. Um, I also am quite proud of myself that I I don't just like browse and buy everything from every artist, um, but when I see a piece I love, I like zero in and grab that thing. Um, one of the first pieces I bought was a little Animal Crossing watercolor. And mm-hmm. it was um, Brewster's Cafe with all of these characters with my favorite villager fauna in it. And I had to grab it. And the artist was right there and said, that's actually my last one. So, you know, yeah. it awesome. was meant to be. Um, but one of, my, one of my favorite things I picked up was a, um, I don't know the dimensions, but a longer piece from Raging Ape. It is Grogu playing around with his force-wielding abilities, lifting Papa Mandalorian above his head, <laughs> and it's the cutest thing ever. Yeah. I love it so much. Um, and then, of course, we supported our lovely friend Lisa at Funky Punk Designs, and I got a couple cool pins from her. Um, so, yeah, pretty good haul over here. Not too bad. Not too bad. Justin, how about yourself? Well, I uh, I actually did not buy a lot of stuff, but what I did buy means a lot to me. Uh, I bought uh, I bought two books from uh, Layered Butter. I bought their Modern Horror and their Ghibli Studio as well, and uh, I also bought uh, their Space Jam poster. Uh, they're 24 by 36, their larger poster. I, I had been looking at it all weekend. I loved it. I also like larger prints. I know I don't have the wall space for larger prints, but <laughs> when I do have the lar- wall space, that will definitely be going up. It's a really gorgeous print. Um, I love that they found a way to incorporate the Monstars into the stars. Yeah, it's art. It's 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 art. Um, and, I, and I loved it for that, for that exact reason. And the books... Their collections, uh, Modern Horror and, and Studio Ghibli, there are there are a way to celebrate this the art form that is cinema, and and the genres and and studios, and it's just it, they're so well crafted, and you know their commitment, you know, to printing unique movie posters. It's 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 like a Canadian Mondo. We kept saying that all yeah all weekend. They were fantastic. So, um, yeah, and they were really friendly. We we got along really well, and um, yeah, like their their interview is is one of my favorites. Talking with Andrew. Uh, there, so yeah, it's it's. I'm I'm really happy that I you know I went there and I, I was able to grab those items. Um, I also went to Toronto Collective. Well, we we all did. 
Um, and I picked up some Ninja Turtle stuff. Yeah. Kid Robot had a, uh, a, a giant shredder, and, and they just released actually recently these uh, two packs of the turtles. They're smaller than the shredder. So I got the shredder and I got the turtles. So I'm, uh, I'm all set for my, <laughs> my little collection. But, but yeah, Toronto Collective, they were great too. They were really cool, very down to earth. Uh, people that they knew that we wanted to spend money though too so but I was surprised because like a lot of the stuff I've been eyeing um, and Nate you're absolutely right if you if you eye something and you're like mm, I'm gonna come back I'm gonna see if it's there and if it's there then it's fate if it's not then it was not you fate. got hit by that you got hit by that with the Thor the oh, Thor yeah. Aztec yeah, yeah. figure you were like it's gone I'm like oh, no, no that was Darcy, oh, it was Darcy. I, I, yeah. my, for me it was this it was Stanley right for me it was the yeah. Stanley that yeah. I wanted so well Darcy yeah. uh, but I'll get it. what is it that uh, that you picked up uh, I got a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, <laughs> not, probably not as much as you. I think me and you are definitely the bigger spenders of the group. I, I just so. want to, before I get into my haul, I think uh, it's funny, Justin's poster that he talked so much about, I had to convince him to go back and grab. He was like, I don't need it. I'm like, no, you want it, dude. You've been talking about it the whole weekend. So the fact that he's he's glad about that purchase, and I feel like that's part of partly my my decision. <laughs> well, because I was spent. But after at that point, too, like we were on the south side, and like Darcy was like, don't worry, man, we can go around. We'll walk around. It's faster. I'm like, yeah, you're right. If we walk around, we're going to go in, do it and get out. And we did it in under half an hour. Yeah. Right. And I was just concerned that it was going to take another hour for us to get through that. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to do that. But it was very smooth. So I'm glad we did. I, I we, hit, we hit up both uh, Layered Butter and Toronto Collective. And I was like, wow, I got two things, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And the Connor enabling for my you. spending. Yeah. That's what I'm here yeah, exactly. for. If it's not Nate, it's me. Uh, but yeah, to, to talk about what I got, I also picked up the Ghibli book uh, from Layered Butter. And again, I got home that night. I think I bought that the first day we were there, uh, me and Justin on the Thursday. And I immediately flipped through the books and was like, I got I to gotta watch some Ghibli now. So I went back and I'm on my third Ghibli movie since the con has ended because that book has just inspired me to go back and watch these movies I've loved since, you know, when I was a kid, when I first watched them. Uh, outside of that, though, I picked up stuff from Raging Ape. I got a cool Eternity uh, canvas painting there, uh, as well as uh, one of my favorite things I picked up was from the collective as well. I got a, I believe, Nate, you got the colored version of the uh, Googiemon Chop Chop, mm-hmm. where it's a nice, uh, a nice artist vinyl piece, and I, I think it'll be really cool to throw it kind of hiding on my Disney shelf because it's not quite Disney, but you can tell it's inspired by all those classic cartoons and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, what I love about it too is that it's. It's in a golfing pose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Darcy is definitely oh, a yeah. golfer. It so, fits my family yeah. to a T because he's golfing yeah. with an axe. And I feel like half time <laughs> out there, we, we feel like we could do some damage with an axe. Yeah, you're hacking away out there. Yep. Yeah, it's the, it's the Series 2 uh, Death Strokes murder pants is what, it's, <laughs> is what it's called. Although I think you got the Fifty Shades version. Yes. Um, yes, it did. Very cool. <laughs> Last time we went in 2019, we spoke about how we visited uh, Miguel Molina and bought a lot of his prints and pins. And this time I managed to get back there before he sold out a lot of his uh, new One Piece series pins. So it's some nice big character pieces for uh, the the One Piece uh, fandom, obviously. And uh, yeah, the pins are so cool. I had to pick up three of them and I'm, I learned that he was releasing another Kickstarter. So I backed that that night as well. So. <laughs> Yeah. Other than that, I just got a, a whole bunch of prints from Artist Alley, a couple of cool Digimon ones, uh, an Adventure Time piece to hang above one of my Adventure Time statues. So good day in Artist Alley for me. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I uh, I kind of, everywhere we went, I might have picked up uh, a thing or two. I think for the Toronto Collective, I picked up a few pieces, uh, one of them being the 
the Tech 63 Sketch Racha Martian figure by Quix. Uh, they do these figures that are kind of all in the same pose. They're kind of wearing a hoodie. They look really dope. They've got like sort of a skull face. They look absolutely incredible if you, if you look them up. But the one that I picked up this time around uh, looks like a Sriracha bottle, uh, which is just such a fun colorway. And, and it's uh, it's sitting up already with my Boba Fett one from last year. Um, I also picked up and convinced Darcy to get into MetaZoo, uh, which is a card uh, collectible game that was like on a Kickstarter that I found <laughs> randomly. Uh, and it's kind of like a nostalgic almost Pokemon slash magic card art style, but like the vintage art style and their first editions. So, you know, that means if they, if they go far, if they, if they go up there, we've got some pretty rare stuff on our hands. So as soon as I showed Darcy's like, oh, I got to go pick some of those up. So I immediately, <laughs> I immediately got them. Yep. I got them. Yep. Um, I also picked up uh, one of the serial killer series by Ron English, um, which is Captain Cornstarch, because uh, I'm a huge, uh, I'm a huge Captain Crunch fan, and so he has all these really, really uh, horribly obese uh, figures <laughs> <laughs> that represent our favorite childhood uh, serial mascots. So I had to, I had to pick that one up as well. Um, but yeah, I also picked up some stuff from from Layered Butter, and I picked up uh, they had a, an art print there that was exclusive to the con that was like a Scott Pilgrim poster, but done in the style of like an old Nintendo video game. Uh, which is so cool, and I, I just absolutely love it. Um, and then, yeah, I think other than that, I again, I'll, I'll shout out uh, Lisa at Funky Punky. Get, you know, I got this really dope. It's like a rupee keychain, and then it had like different um, items from Zelda. Uh, on on each sort of section of the keychain, and she told us that you know her brother really wanted to do a keychain. She really wanted to do pins, and then they sort of collabed and just made them both happen. And uh, she, apparently, she did really well with them. So um, yeah, we'll have we'll have links uh, to to a lot of these things uh, in the podcast notes. I'll leave that. Uh, I'll just give Justin more work uh, to do that. Um, <laughs> otherwise, that is it for the, this episode. We hope you enjoyed this week in geek and our coverage of. Fan Expo Canada 2022. Uh, if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into your sh- into the show with your thoughts on this week's news or or any of the uh, the, the coverage of, of Fan Expo, or just ask us questions about Fan Expo. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, fan 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 it over. I'm going to use a fan. Yeah, I'm fanning it over <laughs> to Justin to tell you how you can reach us. I am receiving your fan. Uh, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. One more thing, huge thanks to everyone who connected with us mm-hmm. at Fan Expo. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and keep in mind, we have a ton of other uh, great content around Fan Expo going up on YouTube. Uh, You'll see some promos on our socials, um, so definitely check those out. And uh, we'll have interviews with kind of all the different groups that we spoke about. And a lot of the places that, uh, you know, Darcy and I bought stuff from uh, will be (laughs) available uh, for you to check out, and we'll let you know when that happens. We also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, games, uh, and uh, and interviews. Um, We have interviews with uh, the 
director of She-Hulk, Kat Koiro, as well as the head writer, Jessica Gao, uh, where Justin sat down to discuss the various ways in which they've implemented their own experiences into the show. So you can check that out and uh, all this content on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Um, also, if that's not enough uh, interviews for you, we, we had the opportunity to sit down with uh, Get Her Done, Larry the Cable Guy, or Daniel, as he's, he's, uh, is his real name. Uh, and uh, we got to chat with him regarding his time playing Mater in the upcoming Cars uh, series called Cars on the Road, uh, coming to Disney Plus on September 8th. Uh, and uh, look, look forward to, we'll probably put out a review for that one as well uh, sometime pretty mm-hmm. soon. Um, and we also have reviews, spoiler-free reviews for you know different series like Marvel's I Am Groot, Netflix's Day Shift, uh, the movie Day Shift. We have uh, our review for The Sandman from Netflix, um, Skydance Animation's Luck, Prey from Hulu and Disney Plus, uh, and all sorts of fantastic reviews and coverage uh, to come. We've got a lot of a lot of stuff coming up down the pipeline that. Uh, we're already all getting, I'm, I'm already getting hot and bothered thinking about all the stuff we, we're going to get to do. So definitely check those out. Uh, hot and bothered because of the weather, guys. Don't don't get it. Don't sure. play it wrong. Okay. Don't be gross. <laughs> yeah. Don't be gross. Sure. Um, but we also have our weekly watch club where we break down and give our theories weekly uh, for the latest Marvel or Disney Plus series or just shows with our current one for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, uh, with episode three dropping, I guess, tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day of release. Um, so go mm. give all those episodes a listen and a five-star review if you don't mind. Megan, Darcy, Justin, thank you so much for joining me for This Week in Geek and our coverage at Fan Expo Canada 2022. And as we say, love ya. Laters. Bye. Peace. Peace.